Welcome to the Church Safety and Security Broadcast with the Church Safety Guys, sponsored by Checker. Background screens for your faith or volunteer organization. The Church Safety Guys is a nonprofit organization. Our mission is to inspire, influence, and impact church safety and security teams. We are protectors, guardians, ambassadors, and shepherds. We are about all things church safety and security, which starts with a ministry mindset and a servant's heart. Join us for the next hour as the Church Safety Guys unpack safety, security, leadership, and ministry operations with your hosts, James McGarvey, Paul Buckner, and Mike Scully. This broadcast is also available on social media, YouTube, your favorite podcast platforms, and on the all-new Church Security app. Well, good evening. Welcome to the Church Safety and Security broadcast with the Church Safety Guys. I am James, and yet another week has passed, and my co-hosts have joined me, Mike and Paul. How are you guys doing? Good, sir. Gents? Not too shabby. Good to see you both. I uh, I love how you you use that term, gents. <laughs> <laughs> I throw it around, I throw it around loosely. <laughs> you weren't dancing, Paul. What's up with that? At the very last moment, there oh, was a brief okay. dance. There was a little. There was a little of this right there at the very last moment. So there you go. <laughs> I guess as long as you weren't. What do they What do they call it? Flossing. As long as you weren't doing that. Now I would hurt myself if I tried to floss. <laughs> It's sad that uh, it's sad that I even know that, but you know I have a house full of of uh, kids, and they uh, they keep me entertained with that sort of thing. But I would need a life alert if I tried to floss. <laughs> I've fallen and I can't get up. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, if you've uh, if you've just joined us or you've joined us at another time later on down the road, welcome. Uh, feel free to click like and subscribe in that lower right-hand corner if uh, if you're so inclined. And then uh, that way you can receive updates uh, for when we go live, when we publish new videos, mm-hmm. and, uh, and you can hang out with us and see new content. Uh, and as always, you can visit churchsafetyguys.com. And uh, there's some great resources on there. Uh, we have information about all of our books. We kind of just recently redid that section um, on the website. And uh, we've got, uh, of course, information about the upcoming Church Security Essentials Conference, right? So I'm getting real excited about that. Um, Yes. My ticket's bought. (laughs) So so for those of you who don't know, I didn't think I could make it. They canceled the fall night academy for me to go through the police academy. So I find myself a free man. So I'm going to be up there. Uh, in some capacity, uh, probably looking in the window because James is going to lock me out. But uh, that's what access <laughs> controls for, ladies and gentlemen. So we gave away prizes for early birds. What do we give Paul for being a late bird? <laughs> I've got a probably ding bat award. Yes, so, I'm looking forward to coming up because I've only met you guys in person once and we have no photographic evidence. Yeah. And so we need to get a picture together. And then John John Riley's going to be there and some of our regular offenders. I mean, some of our regular uh, viewers are going to be on. So be up there. So I'm I'm honestly I'm looking forward to it a lot. I think it'll be really fun uh, today. One of a couple actually a couple of my guys came up to me uh, that are on my team and they were like, Hey, do you need any help like setting anything up or, and I'm like, Hallelujah. (laughs) So I'm like, yeah, actually Thursday night, if you could, if you could help me set some tables up, that would be awesome. So, yeah. So I've got a couple of guys doing that and you know, it's, it's been pretty cool. We've had churches reach out to us all over the United States. Uh, We actually, I, I talked to a church a few days ago that bought tickets for their team. Um, So I will say this. Um, seats are disappearing very quickly, very quickly. Now that we're in the last home stretch and I'm not just saying that because you know, you want to come see Paul dance and, and meet us in person. But I will say that, um, from the, the standpoint of, uh, space that we have and what's available, 
uh, if you're thinking you might want to come or, or bring your church, don't uh, definitely don't delay because, um, you know, we've had churches reach out to us and purchase, you know, handfuls of tickets for their church. Um, today, I actually I talked to one of the local uh, 911 dispatchers in our area. He comes comes to our church and he when I started talking to him about the content and we were going to talk about, you know, mental health and have speakers and John Riley there. He was like, oh, my gosh, he's like, can I invite my my officers or is it just for church safety? And I said, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, I said, no, I said, I'll, I'll text you the information. I said, please, you know, pass it along because our our uh, uh, key speaker, Dr. Patterson, he his specialty is mental health with first responders. So <laughs> he he helps folks all the time. An awesome, awesome man. Um, I went and visited his church a couple of weeks ago uh, because they were looking at starting a safety team. And um, he he walks up to me in the parking lot. He sees me and he's like, oh, great author. Oh, great safety man. And he like gives me this hug. So he's a he's a pretty cool guy. Um, but he's definitely got an enormous amount of energy and, uh, I'm blessed, very blessed that he's a, he's a good friend of mine. So I'm very thankful that, that, uh, he's coming and yeah, so we have a, a amazing lineup. The day is going to be great. It's going to fly by and, uh, it'll be a lot of fun. So don't, don't miss out on that. Uh, the website is church security info, or you can visit, um, through our website, churchsafetyguys.com, and then click the top logo that says uh, 2021 uh, conference, and that'll get you to the site as well. So um, so without further eloquence, um, Paul wants to drop a lot of punny one-liners about tonight's broadcast <laughs> being explosive and, uh, and all this other stuff, and I'm just like, oh my goodness. But I happen to be on, so I'm going to, I'm going to tell this real story, quick story and give the intro. So I happened to be on Facebook a couple, I think it was a, a month or so ago. And I saw an ad for a company that was doing training for uh, IEDs and explosives. And I thought, well, I'll reach out to this gentleman. Uh, he seems knowledgeable. I'll reach out to him and see if maybe he'll come on the broadcast. Cause we've never had somebody to do that before. And, uh, and then I found out that, uh, it wasn't just any gentleman. It was Mr. Jack Peters. So uh, Jack is an explosive specialist and the president of American Explosives Group. Uh, he and his associates have been training blasters, first responders, and military agencies since 2009. Um, he's published several books, including Explosives, IEDs, and Breaching for Law Enforcement. Uh, he's spoken around the world on self-improvement, leadership, teamwork, and he is also a television personality uh, and has been on the Discovery Channel's Treasure Quest in 2018 and soon to be released Attic Gold uh, with Netflix. So let me bring Jack in here. So thank you so much, sir, again, for joining us tonight. And uh, we're very grateful that you're, you're willing to put up with technological difficulties and everything else to hang with us. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> Gentlemen, it's great so, to be here. Awesome. So, if you could, I, I think we're—I think we may have a little latency on your on your camera feed. But uh, if you could, how did you get into how did you get into this field? Like, what what drove you to be interested in explosives? Well, it's interesting. I been doing training corporate training like teachers like leadership and teamwork and that sort of thing since 2004 and when the economy dropped out in like 2008 2009 no one was hiring corporate trainers anymore at that time and i have mm -hmm. to actually give credit to my friend daniel tanner with tanner at exploding targets for getting me involved yeah. in explosives of all things <laughs> he said look you like to train you like in front of people um you know, different agencies and, and people need and no one does it. I'll teach you and you can teach them. And since that time, I've had some really good mentors. I've worked with some great people from all different types of aspects of explosives use from military to mining to construction to 
EVs and all kinds of things, testing and training and put together this company and been very busy since then. Awesome. That is that is really cool. And you mentioned to me, like when I reached yeah. out to you, you you mentioned to me that you uh, you talk to churches about safety and you kind of uh, chat with them along those lines. And and I was kind of curious from your from your background and experience, um, just along the line of like dealing with suspicious packages. And we've seen a lot of that type of thing come up um, with church safety and security, but, um, what do you, like, what do you find yourself teaching churches on generally? I, I don't have churches specifically as clientele. We focused on first responders. So our training okay. is open to police, fire, sheriff, search and rescue, security, that sort of thing. But the principles are the same. You know, they really are the same, regardless if it's a church or a school or a business. Uh, bad guys and terrorists like uh, certain targets. They like soft targets. And the principles of security are the same, really, regardless of, of when they go after. Um, when it comes to packages and that sort of thing, one thing I can say is that um, if a church or really any business happens to find a suspicious package, it's time to do a little research to see why that might be there. In other words, like talk to maybe administration or this here or other people to see if anyone is expecting a package. And if it's really a suspicious package, in other words, you don't know where it came from. Uh, there's no return uh, information on it. No one's expecting it. I think really the best thing to do is to, well, one, have a relationship with your local law enforcement, but have them come out and take a look at it. And I'll tell you why, a couple of reasons. One is there's no better training than a real mission, right? Uh, bomb techs love training. They do a lot of training every week. And it's interesting and it's actually training for them to a real call and investigate a suspicious package than trying to create their own scenario in a back lot somewhere, right? So there's all kinds of what they call safe render procedures. You can check out a packing, maybe it's a box, maybe it's a backpack, a suitcase, it's a piece of luggage, something like that that's not supposed to be there that's left behind. That is a red flag and that could be all for suspicion. So what they can do is they can come out with a, with a robot, they can x-ray it, um, they can do different things to look through it to see what it might be, because if it really is indeed a, a, an IED or a, something that's dangerous, what makes it complicated is that IEDs can be triggered by so many different ways. That package could um, detonate from a timer uh, from a remote firing device, from someone cutting open the package and a light sensor on the inside senses daylight, that could trigger it. There's so many different ways that an IED can be triggered. You touch it, you don't want to mess with it. If it's really suspicious, you make a perimeter where you keep people away from it. Do you any good place than the next person in the office shows up and picks it up and shakes it, right? So you have to make a perimeter around it to make sure no one can get near it. And then have the local bomb people check it out. That's what they do. They enjoy doing that and they'll do that for you. For sure. And that's that's one of the things, interestingly, I've, I've had a few conversations with, with my church staff about as far as, you know, monitoring packages coming, um, you know, knowing, okay, there's a difference between getting a flood of Amazon packages versus, you know, that, that type of package that you don't know, you know, there's no return address there. It, maybe it looks like it's tampered. It's been drop kicked a couple of times, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think UPS stops at our church for Amazon prime about, <laughs> about two or three times a day. Um, but a lot of times right. what's interesting is, uh, you know, packages are delivered Saturday and a lot of times, you know, nobody's there at the office, at the church office to receive that. And so, 
you know, we've had actually at our church, we've had a few things where uh, packages were left there and all of a sudden we're like, Sunday morning comes along, right? And we're like, okay, did someone, did a pastor order something? You know, we're, we're starting to ask those questions. Uh, we had a church, I think it was about um, 20 minutes away from us uh, the beginning of the year that they call, they actually called the bomb squad out and had law enforcement and first responders respond because they couldn't track down that, you know, that box and where it came from. And, and uh, it turned out to be nothing serious, thankfully, but, you know, that's, that is something that, um, you know, we, we need to be aware of and, and kind of pay attention to. Uh, Paul, were you going to, you're going to jump in. Yeah, I had a couple of thoughts there. One was, it's a little bit funny, but it's not. A lot of times we have this attitude of this can't happen here. And so I'm going to hit three or four really quick things. One is a friend of mine works with a major company. This thing's corporate. Um, they have a very high speed security team at their facility. A guy came to the facility and said, hey, I'm here to work on this piece of large ATV equipment. And somebody took him to the to the uh, shed that this thing was locked in. It's worth a lot of money. Unlocked it, helped him load it on the trailer, and he drove away. And the thing has been missing ever since. Um, this this this. If I told you the name of the entity, you would know it. Um, <laughs> it, it was a very gutsy move. Number two, I know of a guy <clears throat> local to me about 35, 40 years ago. Um, they found a pipe bomb in his truck. Um, he was having trouble with his gas tank. His vehicle would start and stop. And so they said they thought there was something wrong with like uh, the fuel pump. So they dropped the, the uh, fuel tank and we, de we don't have a dedicated bomb squad right in my area. And so they had to bring somebody in from outside the area to the garage because there was literally a pipe bomb stuck mm -hmm. down inside of his uh, vehicle. Mm -hmm. And it was somehow wired up to something that when he started his vehicle, it was supposed to explode. And it didn't. It was a dud. Uh -huh. And then um, another thing that I would think would probably be very useful, and I want Jack's thoughts on this, would be if you have any kind of an active threat against your church, i.e. somebody has said, I'm going to get you, I'm going to get even with you, I'm going to hurt you, um, you know, you can't uh -huh. say that thing on social media. If you know that you have some kind of an active uh -huh. threat or maybe you receive a package uh, that I would like to know what you would consider specifically suspicious about a package. Cause with the anthrax thing, anytime somebody found an item that had any white powder around it, people panic. That was a few years ago. So I'd like to kind of spin that back to Jack and be like, Hey, what would you say would be some earmarks of a suspicious, a suspicious package? Excellent. Uh, because you know, I'm going to talk a lot about, depending on how time allows, a lot about intelligence work. Basically, knowing if you have a legitimate threat or not. And then if you really do have a threat, then that's going to heighten your awareness. And that's going to include packages and that sort of thing. You know, we talk about Amazon packages. You know, if you package delivered that's a real package, it looks legit. It has a return address, it has postage information, it has barcodes and tracking and that sort of thing. But bad guys and terrorists use deception to do their dirty work. They could take a legitimate looking package, cut the bottom out and plant something in it. So even if it looks legit, it could still be a threat if you're not expecting it. I'm gonna give you a quick example from my home state of Oregon. In Wilsonville, Oregon, there was a bank that got a bomb threat. This was a father-son team that was trying to extort money out of a bank. They actually found a suspicious device in the planter in the bank. The bomb squad came out, looked at it, deemed it to be a fake, brought it into the bank, and it exploded, killing two people. It killed a, a bomb wow. tech and a bank officer. <clears throat> Now, these were people that were professional bomb people. They knew what they were doing, but they still thought this was a fake. So again, terrorism is based upon <clears throat> deception. And one of the things that, you know, uh, that I talk about strikes in your anomaly in baselines. Now, those of you that are familiar with situational awareness, you've heard this terminology before. You're looking 
seem right, that doesn't stand out. And if you have enough of these, your heightened awareness should be so high that now anything comes into view like a suspicious package or something like that. Let me give you a quick example. Let's say there's a couple in the church that's going through a bad divorce and the minister has offered counseling. Maybe they didn't complete counseling or something, but the minister knows about this incident. That's one red flag there. Now, in the child care section, the young mother that takes her children to child care and she gave the person that manages the child care a copy of a restraining order with instructions that the husband or the ex-husband cannot pick up the children. She's the only one allowed to pick up the kids. Okay, that's two things. Now, a third is maybe a greeter at the front of the church before the service greets a man she doesn't recognize, and he's wearing a long letter covering his belt line, but it's 80 degrees outside. Okay, now there's something else. Now, the maintenance guy, uh, he sees offensive graffiti painted in the back of the church. Okay, and now um, maybe someone, a petitioner that's coming into church, notices a car in the parking lot he hasn't seen before, but it's got a bunch of 30-round magazines and body armor in the front seat. And then one of the church security staff guys watched by in the audience. Everyone else is watching forward to the minister. He keeps turning around and reading his sixth. Now, any one of those things by itself isn't any big deal. People go through divorces. People paint graffiti. People have guns in their cars. All these things happen every day, restraining orders. If I told you that like five out of seven of those incidences now involve the same suspect, then you've got a real serious issue at this point because all these different pieces are now focused on one person instead of just random events. And what we sure. teach in the corporate world is for different teams to actually communicate with each Maybe the child care lady didn't communicate with the minister or the church secretary that got a threat on the phone didn't have time to tell the minister before the service or the uh, whatever it is. In the corporate world, we call this cross-team collaboration, which is just a fancy term for teams or divisions actually communicating with each other. So these pieces can be put together more easily. Absolutely. That's a total, total team concept that we've talked about and we've heard others talk about before of sharing across ministries is that it's not just about the safety team mm -hmm. because everybody should be part of the safety team in, in theory. So it, it's those eyeballs, those extra pieces right. of awareness that may then feed back and give a, hey, I noticed this. Well, that could be one or two of those data points that you just mentioned, Jack that again in isolation meant nothing, but in combination, the safety guy didn't see them. So now all of a sudden, I just got two new pieces of intel. That intelligence now changes the essentially the risk level and potentially elevating a threat level at that point. I think and that's, and that's the big piece is, is understanding yep. under what circumstance does the church raise its, its effective threat level, if they even have discussed that in the past. Let's hope they have. But if they do, do they have procedures? In other words, what is their SOP when they start to escalate, when they start to elevate those risks and they start to collect information? Where do they go next? For sure. We, uh, well, we're going to go ahead. That's really it. You, you've got to have a... Oh, go ahead, Jack. I'm sorry. You're breaking up. Okay. Yeah. So it's all about communication, isn't it then? So maybe you get together once a week and you just go over things. And if you have a some type of a threat, maybe you just look into that a little more closely. 
and, and see if it gets messages off the answering machine, you know, can tell you, because they think that's nothing, but it may be something if you put enough of these pieces together. I don't like to be surprised. If you're surprised, then you're operating on their terms instead of your terms, right? You want to have enough information, as much information you can in advance, so you're not caught off guard. Right. For sure. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and take a break, and we'll we'll see if we can uh, fix just some of the latency connection issues we're having on our end uh, with Jack, and then uh, we will be right back with you. So don't uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. With over 50 years of experience with religious and nonprofit organizations, Thomas Alexander Insurance and Associates understands that your congregation is different from a traditional business. We're here to fulfill your needs, coming to you while creating a personal plan for your budget and size. From your local community to around the globe, we are advocates for you. Thomas Alexander Insurance and Associates, your partner in service. Nobody thinks it will happen to them, but with over 2,000 emergency phone calls per month to our independent program attorney answered hotline, it's closer to home than you think. At U.S. Law Shield, we give you exclusive access to our 24-7, 365 emergency hotline, not a call center, direct access to our network of independent program attorneys. With a price point of only $10.95 per month and unlimited attorney hours for criminal and civil defense, U.S. Law Shield provides you with unparalleled service and protection where it matters most. No other program comes close. We believe an educated member is an empowered member. We do this by providing educational resources featuring seasoned attorneys, firearms instructors, law enforcement, and experts in all areas of self-defense law. We at U.S. Law Shield believe peace of mind should come with simple and affordable protection. Even at church, bad things can happen. Medical emergencies, active shooters, predators, even domestic disputes. Is your church, is your ministry, is your sanctuary prepared? Do you have a safety or security team? Find out how you can be with James McGarvey's new book, The Case for Church Safety and Security. James McGarvey's experience and training, along with a biblical foundation, bring much needed information in today's trying times. It offers a true biblical perspective for starting, keeping, and growing a safety or security ministry in your church or place of worship. The Case for Church Safety and Security, a brand new book, includes a special foreword by Frank Pomeroy, the pastor at the First Baptist Church, Sutherland Springs, Texas, where they experienced the worst active shooter in U.S. history. This compelling book shares insight on preparing yourself and your church from potential threats with a biblical worldview. Start your journey to a more secure ministry and worship freely knowing you're safe. Get more information now at churchsafetyguys.com and pick up your copy today.
The Church Safety Guys help church and place of worship safety and security teams all over North America through our broadcasts, online communities, conferences, trainings, resources, and the all-new Church Security app. Download it today. Help us continue to reach churches by supporting our sponsors, purchasing our resources, and consider becoming a ministry partner by making a monthly or one-time donation. Remember to like, subscribe, and share this broadcast with your team. And now, back to the broadcast. Okay, we are back uh, from the break, and we're talking with uh, Jack Peters. Jack, can you hear us okay? Yes, I can. Okay. <laughs> all right. I think we fixed uh, fixed all of our technical difficulties. Maybe. <laughs> nice. We'll we'll see. Yeah. Let's hope so. So to go back to the awareness piece, Paul, you I think you had said you wanted to to jump in there with something. Well, and so one of the things that we actually learned, all three of us at different times, got to take an executive protection training course and. One of the really interesting things about doing a threat assessment is <clears throat> what is the background of the threat? Was the guy a champion knife thrower? Um, is he a cage fighter? Um, you know, is he a precision marksman? Um, does he own heavy equipment? Um, you know, was he an archer? You know, I'm being silly, but what is the background of the person? Um, is he a landscaper and have a whole bunch of ammonia nitrate in his back? <laughs> yeah. So, or or was this guy EOD and dishonorably discharged from the military? You know, you know, uh, explosives ordnance disposal. Um, did he work for a major company, maybe out east in the Appalachian Mountains, uh, working in a coal mine blasting? What's his background? And so suddenly you can build a threat profile around something. Um, what's the person's history of violence? Because you'll probably find out their preferred mode. Um, we had a guy locally that his best friend got stabbed. And so he decided to go and beat up the guy that stabbed his best friend. I can't make this stuff up. He ended up in the hospital with multiple stab wounds. Now I could have told you that that was likely to happen. There was, there was a history of violence and the guy had a preferred mode of doing things. So if you have a, if you build a threat assessment around somebody and this person, this really happened in my area, the person owns handguns and rifles, but they custom load ammunition for a bolt action rifle and they brag about hitting targets at hundreds of yards. I don't know about you, but that might top my list in my threat assessment. And that's, so we, we owe a great debt to Shield Force International, to Matt Combs. He's a friend to all three of us. But that comes back over to now. You've started receiving threats. And so I'm going to paint a picture and then lob it to you guys and you guys take it wherever you want. But now you've discovered somebody that um, brags about making homemade explosives, um, is, is known for making custom fireworks, you know, using black powder to put on firework shows at their house. And they've, they've now threatened your house of worship. I don't know about you, but I'd start really seriously looking at disturbed dirt around my building, and 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 guys, that's where Michael throw it to you, and then Jack, whatever you want to, wherever you want to take that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's where it comes into sweeps, and that should be a routine. I think it's very easy for us to arrive a few minutes late because of traffic and say, "Oh, you know that thing that we do every every week." I'm not going to take that lap around the building. Well, no, you can't, you can't not do that. So you got to make yeah. that lap around the building, even when it's a hundred degrees, like it was in Austin, Texas today. Um, so you got to make that sweep and that's where you can look for disturbed items. You can look for people, spots that could be laying in wait, not just for uh, devices, but literally any sort of threat, any sort of risk that you should be walking that on a regular basis, but also obviously through the building. Um, that leads to policies and having the right policies in place. I'm, not all of us necessarily have bag search policies in place at our church, whereas other churches, um, you'll at least have a policy around where the volunteers keep their stuff. So like we have a volunteer room, that's their lounge, that's where it's dedicated to those things. We encourage them to put their stuff there. And that is so that we can cleanly sweep the auditorium ahead of any service 
and not be running through or tripping over 17 volunteer bags that happen to use them to hold their seats. So we ask them to put them in the in the other room and, and that helps. But we've done it numerous times. Numerous times we've had a volunteer show up on us and we're like going through their bag. And they're like, well, hey, what are you doing? You left your bag where you weren't supposed to leave your bag. And so under those circumstances, we are searching, <clears throat> excuse me, we're not necessarily stopping a person with a bag and asking to go through it unless we talk about those elevated risk factors, those uh, points of information. If, if those ratcheted up, yeah, we may, we may intercede and say, hey, can we check out what's in the bag? Or why do you need a bag? Those types of things. But again, it, I think it leads to having policies and then having those procedures and then maintaining consistency on doing that week in and week out, whether there's an elevated threat level or not. But when there's that elevated threat level, that's where we have to ratchet it up even further and build in contingencies and build in planning that says, if this happens, and in many cases, it's when this happens, what are we going to do? What's our default? Who are we calling? Are we Don't touch it. And how are we coordinating off to your point, Jack? You talked earlier about creating that, that space or separation around uh, the suspicious package. And for us, it's more likely a bag than a package. But James, you mentioned uh, with the Amazon piece, yeah. it could be an Amazon package. Uh, it, it, not because it came from Amazon that way, but it, it was hijacked. It was something that nonchalantly we get complacent or routinized, if you will, where it's so simple. Oh, it's just yet another Amazon Prime. Rip. Okay. You, you got to necessarily say, hey, just because it's Amazon Prime doesn't by itself mean it's 100% fine. <clears throat> well, and something Jack said earlier, and you just brought me back to this, Mike, is were I a bad guy, and I and and you mentioned Jack about about bad guys potentially, obviously they're going to use subterfuge to try to get past any kind of a security or any thought process. But were I a truly dastardly, you know, mustache twisting villain, I would steal a package off of your doorstep. And then, and it disappears overnight and comes back. So if you've recently had a package stolen and you've got a credible threat, I mean, none of these, as you said earlier, Jack, none of these on their own are necessarily a bad thing, but you start adding them right. together. But if I was a truly bad person and I, then I flip the package over slit, you know, and so if, if you find uh, packaging that's been disturbed, you know, or something like that, I mean, that's that's pretty out there, but that's also not outside the realm of, of possibility. And I mean, we've also seen where, yeah, please, I'd love to hear you, your thoughts. Well, I, I wanted to uh, build off what Mike was talking about, where when you do a threat assessment, you're looking at the suspect's background. Here's the scary thing with explosives. There's so many different types of explosive materials, and there's a lot of information on how to make bombs that's available to the public. Like, um, you know, maybe YouTube might ban certain people, but they don't ban how to make bombs. There's a lot of information on how to make homemade explosives on YouTube. There's uh, Poor Man's James Bond, Anarchist Cookbook, all kinds of information. Al-Qaeda has a magazine called Inspire that will teach you how to make bombs. That's what the Boston Marathon bombers used to uh, convert pressure cookers into large pipe bombs. So sure. the information is already out there. And so one of the things we look at as well is what can someone make, what can they buy, or what can they steal to make it an improvised bomb out of? Um, you mentioned fireworks. We've seen last summer how fireworks were weaponized against the police, all these various riots around the country. Yeah. Fireworks is a big thing right now. They can, you know, mortars can shoot horizontally. Uh, the mortar balls can be um, filled with shrapnel, nails, and tacks, and so forth to uh, to injure police and other people as they explode. So that's a trend that is uh, pretty big right now that we're all watching. Also, a lot of uh, materials that are even in over-the-counter fireworks that can be purchased, enough of it can be accumulated uh, to make bombs and so forth out of, like specifically flash powder materials. For sure. I think it's interesting because you mentioned that and I mean, you can get you can get fireworks and stuff almost anywhere. Uh, I mean, I live in, in Ohio in the Midwest and if I cross over, 
you know, 60 minutes into they, well, for a long time, they've been illegal in Ohio, but if I cross over into West Virginia, 60 minutes away, I can pick up a whole truckload <laughs> of, uh, you know, your, your Walt Disney level quality, you know, fireworks for, for my neighborhood or whatever. But, um, I think I, I really want to emphasize, and I, I don't, I know we don't have as much time as, as, uh, as I'd like, but I really want to look and emphasize the idea idea that don't, I guess, don't second guess yourself. Like if you, if you see something and all of those red flags aren't necessarily lining up that instant, but if you see something, you still should be aware and you still should take it seriously because, you know, we, we have a hard enough time. A lot of times and we, we talk to churches all the time that are, that are like, well, you know, they, everybody always says nothing's ever going to happen to us. Nothing's ever going to happen here. And then, you know, like Mike said earlier, when you do that sweep, all of a sudden you see a, a fireworks canister sitting outside. Okay. Well, it, it might be nothing, but it might be something that's, you know, and so to me, I just look at it and I'm like, if I could say one thing, it's like, look, that's, that's an anomaly. You don't normally see firework containers on your property. So that should be taken seriously and not something necessarily that you just walk up to and grab it and shake it or be like, Oh, I'll throw this in the trash can. Um, because I know first responders being, you know, being on the other end of that, that aspect, um, one of the first calls that I went to uh, as an EMT firefighter was before it was in 1994. Um, and it was right after, I believe it was right after the first uh, Twin Towers bombing because everybody was on edge. And uh, we respond, we actually responded to this cabin in the middle of nowhere where a guy was making black powder fireworks. That's the story he told us. And when he mixed it, it actually imploded um, because it was unstable, I guess. And, you know, blew out his house, blew, blew shrapnel because he was mixing it in a coffee can, blew shrapnel into him. And uh, I mean, police were coming out of the woodwork because they're like, what is this guy really doing? Is he really building a, you know, a firework, but he's by himself in the middle of nowhere? You know, so realistically, I mean, this stuff, this stuff happens. And, um, <clears throat> you know, from, from a standpoint of seeing stuff around, if, if it's suspicious, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to freak people out or anything like that. But at the same time, um, even things that a lot of times you see as common or uncommon and don't think about, um, we have a couple of folks at our church and I'll, I'll throw this over to, to you, Jack, after, but we had a, we had a couple, uh, a couple folks that attend our church that are contractors and they, a lot of times they'll stop for service in between jobs. So they'll bring in trailers with heavy duty, you know, earth moving equipment as they're passing through. And they're like, yeah, I'll catch a, the last 20 minutes of the service. And I don't think anything of it because I see those trucks parked there, you know, maybe once a month and I know their schedule. I know the people, but it's interesting because I've had safety team members come up to me and say, Hey, we just had a, a dump truck pull in with this truck loaded up and, you know, and it's got an explosive, you know, they're carrying, it looks like they're carrying explosives because I recognize the little placard on the, on the truck and they're transporting stuff. I like that. You know, yeah. What is, and I'm like, Hey, great call. I know this guy, he helps our, our youth group. So it's okay. <laughs> but, uh, but that's noticing something that's not normal for, for, for your environment. So I don't know. I, I don't know if you, you have anything you want to add to that, but I'll throw it back over to you, Jack. <laughs> well, if you've got a guy showing up with heavy equipment, a trailer with a bulldozer or skid steer or something, that's part of the baseline. You're kind of expecting that already. So that's not a red flag. Sure. But no one should be showing up in a church parking lot with magazines full of explosives, even if they're <laughs> your best, you know, church member, right? <laughs> They've got to have a courtesy not to do that. And not only that, the transport of explosives is highly regulated by the DOT, and they okay. would frown upon that. You can't even stop near bridges, along roadsides, rest areas. There's all kinds of rules about stopping good somewhere know. with explosives on board. So they can't just pull in the parking lot. So you've got to, okay. you know, you've got to discuss that with them and say, you know, let's not even do that because 
Explosive magazines are essentially just safes with big padlocks on them. They can be breached by, you know, anyone with a pair of bolt cutters or a torch, uh, just mm. about anyway. So you don't want to bring temptation in like that. Um, it shouldn't even be there. See, that's that's interesting to know, because who knows if they had anything actually in the trucks. They may have been dry of any explosive content, yeah. but you're right. It, there are things like that that will bait people in. We had a we had a guy show up one Sunday and he came walking inside. I didn't recognize him and I was doing a security sweep of the parking lot and I had pinged. This guy got out of this truck, big, nice $80,000 truck. And as I walk by, there's two very large 12 gauge uh, pump turkey loaded, you know, turkey shotguns in the uh, they're marked up, painted up and everything in the front seat of his vehicle. And I look down and there are enormous shells, obviously designed for this thing, laying there along with calls and all kinds of hunting paraphernalia. Um, I'm in the Midwest. We, we be from the south down here. I'm not too worried about seeing that, but. I told my security team and the deputy on duty, I said, hey, it's not a red flag, but if he leaves that guy right there and he seems really agitated and he starts walking towards his truck, I'm pretty sure we should follow closely and get get ready for filleting fire. If this guy, if he's upset, uh, you know, that, that kind of heavy turkey load is the equivalent of double up buck. I mean, this could be a very bad thing. I said, not to mention, I'm going to do very regular security sweeps because we're near an interstate. Somebody comes up over the hillside looking for a quick smash and grab. That's a lot of ordnance inside of that vehicle. And if somebody's doing a smash and grab and they think they're going to take that shotgun out, they are going to be looking at the business end of my back of my weapon. And so I, I love how this comes back to that kind of a situation because even fairly innocuous things mixed together could be, um, let's take it over into the realm of toxic poisonous gases. Um, there are things that can be bought in, at the local uh, at the local grocery store, and I will not name them ever, but you mix these two things together and they create a gas that you can't smell that'll kill you deader than a doornail. And so if you see somebody that's in your building and they've got something and they're mixing things and they're near your your return air or they don't look like they belong there, if they're carrying things into an area they don't belong, it could be a gas. It could be an explosive. I mean, um, you were talking earlier about something that's like a, fo a photo sensor that as soon as you open it to light, it explodes. Um, there are things that if they contact water, um, they explode. Um, there, you know, there are things that if they contact, you've got... Uh, um, highly corrosive uh, items that if you mix certain metals together, shavings and light them, they'll burn right through things. And so if you if you see some of these things in weird places and I want to throw it back to you because I know we're almost out of time. But there's things that um, you mentioned, Jack, things that are household items or things that you wouldn't necessarily think of as an explosive. And you kind of jarred me that direction. So I'd like your thoughts. <clears throat> Yes, uh, real quickly too, someone's transporting a hazmat material, the placard signs on the trucks are hinged, so you can shut them off, right? So if that truck is empty, it should not say a hazmat on the truck. And copy that. One thing. The other thing too, while I talked about it, what can they purchase, make or steal? There's firearms everywhere. I have a lot of buddies that carry firearms in their trucks, in their cars. We talk about truck guns. It's not secure. Anyone mm -hmm. can break into a vehicle, no matter how much it costs, with a rock. They can break that window and take the weapon out, especially if they've got shotguns in the, in the open with rounds, everything in the open. Someone could steal those rifles or shotguns in a, in a couple minutes and be a terror with those things. Yep. Um, to get with you know, different materials you're looking for, when is gunpowder? What, like, what can you make buying steel? You can, in normal circumstances, not necessarily right now, but you can buy up to 50 pounds of gunpowder a year as a U.S. citizen for reloading purposes. And I, I, I have reloaders in every class just about, and I say, when you bought a, a can of uh, black powder, did anyone ask you how much you've already paid for this year or how much you've already purchased this year? They just like, no. So there's, I don't think anyone keeps track of that. Mm -hmm. uh, you can do a lot of damage with with gunpowder and black powder, and then people can purchase that. Now it's difficult to get because it's been ported, but uh, that's a big thing there. Um, the other issue too is fire. Fire is cheap. Looking at trends, there's been a lot of fires over the riots of last summer, 
Um, mm -hmm. You know, you can make a malt cocktail for a couple bucks with the gasoline. Um, there was a fire at the uh, famous uh, historic church across the street from the White House, St. George Church. The nursery part was burned. No convictions in the case. In Canada, there's mm. been 57 church fires since June. No convictions. Okay, so look at the trends. Fire is really easy to get, right? It's really mm. easy to obtain. So was gunpowder. So was weapons. Now, more sophisticated bombers will use other things. And we talk about household or industrial items. One of the main homemade explosive that like ISIS and other groups use is triacetone triperoxide. Acetone and peroxide is in almost everybody's home. It's used as a fingernail polish remover and mm -hmm. uh, hydrogen peroxide used for first aid and so forth. It's used in the pool business. It's used in hair salons. But if you run across someone with drums of this stuff, then that's certainly a red flag. And that stuff is so um, sensitive. You mentioned the guy making the bombs in the cabin and blowing himself up. Yeah. The terrorists call that stuff the mother of Satan because it blows up about 10% of the bomb makers that try to create it. Very, very huh. sensitive materials. Interesting. I know recently in with first aid supplies, we had some giant recalls on ice packs because the, I think it was last year and I forget the, the chemical I have to, I'd have to look it up, but the chemical that when you take an ice pack and shake it or snap it, that chemical that makes it cold originally a few years ago was similar uh, to Tannerite. So if you took an ice pack out and you shot at it with a high-powered rifle, it would explode. And so guys um, like hunters, I know in the Midwest and, and gun, gun enthusiasts like in Ohio, because um, I do a lot of gun classes in Ohio, they would run out and buy ice packs and take them out and shoot them because, hey, it's safer than Tannerite, but you know we can, it's cheaper, we can do this. And so all of a sudden, you know, companies started realizing this and pulling them and then changing how, you know, and, and I'm just going to be honest, the new ice packs don't work as well as the old ones do. Right. But what's interesting is I, you know, I started seeing this cause I, I use Tannerite occasionally I'm out in a farm community. So, you know, I work with farmers that use it for, you know, blowing stumps out or legitimate, legitimate purposes. And what was interesting to me was all of the ingredients in that ice pack that did the exact same thing were still readily available on any website, um, not marked, not listed like, Hey, this, obviously this is what you can do like on Amazon or whatever, but that stuff is, is readily as readily available as going and buying fertilizer you know, or a, a couple of pounds of fertilizer or doing something, doing something with that. So there's definitely, there's, I know there's still a lot of stuff and that just kind of struck me as being, as being interesting because you wouldn't necessarily think that, you know, in an ice pack that could cause a situation or a problem, but um, I, I will go ahead. Oh, go ahead. The main chemical you're referring to is ammonium nitrate that is essentially okay. fertilizer. And in uh, blasting for industrial blasting, like in gold mines and construction and so forth, we use a material which is based on ammonium nitrate, but it's also has a fuel oil, it's called AMFO is the initials. It makes a diesel fuel with it. And when you mix that fertilizer with the diesel fuel, it makes what they call a blasting agent. It's not a high explosive, but it explodes like a high explosive if it's boosted by another high explosive to set it off. So okay. bad guys can make ammonium nitrate and fuel oil that's very difficult to initiate because it's hard to get another high explosive to initiate that. In other words, gunpowder won't work. Um, other products like propane and stuff won't work, but they can try. But mm -hmm. it's, it's again, it's a red flag. I mean, if you see ammonium nitrate and the guy's fertilizing his lawn, that's a baseline that's okay. But if you see someone storing bags and bags of it and they're trying to mix it with aluminum or oil or something, then that's mm -hmm. a red flag. So you're right. There is a lot of products that are available. Um, just matter, you know, how someone's going to try to put something together. But usually people sure. are going to hit the easy button. They're not going to try to make an explosive that's going to blow themselves up if they can use gasoline or just go buy gunpowder, right? 
So it just For depends sure. on what's available to them. And then, you know, weapons are the main thing. People can get firearms, they can buy them and steal them or, or borrow them or take them from somebody they know. Those are readily available. But what we found is that um, a lot of active shooters will, they may say, they may try to use explosives with active shooting, or they may just call the police and tell them they have explosives because it buys them more time. It, it, it mm. provides delayed police response because they're not sure how to respond to that now without taking a second look. So, mm. uh, you know, a lot of shooters will say they have explosives. This was evident in the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando, Florida, where the caller called in and said there was, you know, bomb vests and they were going to blow everybody out of the police team in the building. And the guy bought himself an extra hour to keep shooting as many people as he wanted to shoot. Absolutely mm. tragic. A hard lesson learned from that example. For sure. For sure. Mike, did you want to jump in? Yeah, one last, one last thought, and it's in that vein, is, is certainly a secondary device uh, of sort uh, with an active shooter. Uh, you got a basic threat. You got somebody who's going to either use it for the responding first responders, maybe the safety team, things like that, where they're going to try to harm more people uh, in, in the act, if you will. Uh, so it's always something to be aware of is don't immediately fall for the first shot, the first this, the first that. Yes, that's the threat, but be aware beyond that. It may not be the only threat, just like they, they will teach and, and we've all been to. You got you to gotta make sure that there's not a second shooter, first off. Um, don't assume that because you saw the first shooter that that's, the, that's, that's it. And don't assume that because the first shooter is male that the other one can't be a female. Um, it, it's, it's possible. It's rarer. But you got to be aware that there could be other threats as well. I think mm -hmm. we have very uh, much the chance to be tunnel vision. We talked about it here a little bit tonight. Whether it's tunnel vision on the packages, we just willy-nilly open without even looking at them because, it, oh, it's just another Amazon. Or whether it's just our routines and our processes that we, we just throw under the rug and say, yeah, I'll get to it next time. Well, all of these things is an opportunity for a threat to become realized into something that actually is a problem. So I think this is great in, in being able to look at a lot of the different things and certainly a topic we haven't covered um, on this show. So I, I really appreciate the uh, the insight and, and information that you shared here tonight, Jack. Excellent. For sure. Go for it, Paul. So, uh, I was just going to say, I know you wanted to jump yeah, in. Yeah, there's so many little things because this is one of these things. We'll have to have you back on, Jack. I can see this being a, a firmly a two-parter. Um, portable propane tanks. We had a major problem uh, about eight years ago in my area. Um, people were stealing portable propane tanks, empties, out of people's backyards, and they were leaving. They were leaving full ones, the little tiny ones you would use. Those are more dangerous, nearly empty, right, than they are full. Um, and that was in the Joplin, Missouri area. And we had some really interesting things happen. We had um, we had a string of gas pipe. Uh, thefts where where gas pipe was being stolen um, and it was very interesting because uh, a pipe bomb strapped to the side of a nearly empty propane tank is a nice little bomb um, we had we had some really interesting things happen in our area that were just very very strange and there were strings of them that were making law enforcement go like this um, we had a group of people that were going and buying um, 40 and 50 um, 40 and 50 uh, dis uh, disposable cell phones and uh, in groups. And finally they were being refused. And mm -hmm. so there was some very interesting and I'll have that conversation offline. If you guys want to have it, I'm not going to have it here, but there, there was a group of people that was doing it and it was getting a lot of attention. Um, that was very interesting. Another thing we haven't talked about, and I'd love to come back to this on another night is VBIDs, vehicle born, you know, improvised explosive devices. Um, you know, people can crash through at a lot of churches. You can crash into an environment. You can use a large vehicle. You could detonate an explosive. You could lob explosives out. Um, we, we had a, we had a gentleman that was homeless and apparently had stolen a U-Haul. He had paid for a rental and then was just driving around the country and who runs the plates on, on those things. Right. <laughs> and he pulled up to our church. We had a great visit with the guy. He was not a threat, but he was a firm DLR. And before I could get somebody out in the parking lot to go inspect his vehicle, somebody was. And uh, they were a bit brazen about it. He left the back of it unlocked. So they just raised up 
shown a flashlight and closed it. Uh, little little brazen there, but it, it we de we determined he was a DLR, but he wasn't a threat. But you know, if a, if a vehicle pulls up in his park where it shouldn't be, or you see something that could be an explosive item that's where it shouldn't be. Um, and then obviously if you're dealing with a, an actual threat of a physical person and they're walking in, um, this is where that you going all the way back, Jack, where you were talking about, uh, your situational awareness, um, in almost every instance, I have friends who've been in combat, who've nearly been killed by, by body worn vest style, um, IEDs and similar, these vests, the person's always sweating, they're always shaking, they're always freaked out, their eyes are darting because they know they're about to explode. And right. so if you're dealing with somebody who's, so I'd, I'd love for you, I'd love your thoughts on that. I know we're at time and then I can close with some prayer if you gents like, but I'd love, I'd love you to close that out for us. Well, you know, especially we're talking about vehicle-based threats, you know, my home church has a large annual festival in the parking lot. And so one of the things that I brought up is, you know, there needs to be some barricade vehicles that can be in the way so no one can drive into the crowd, whether there's an explosive in a vehicle or not. There, you know, there needs to be barricades in place if there's some sort of outdoor event, something like that. So, again, look at, you know, sometimes what we do, and this is a little bit dark, you got to play, what would you do if you were the bad guy? You know, I do that with my team and other people say, well, what, you know, where's the soft target at? How does someone come in? How does someone breach security? Think about it first before they do. This is not the time to be complacent. You don't use denial. Um, you're not going to be caught off guard. You're going to do everything you can in your power to work on your terms and not theirs. Because if you're working right. on theirs, it's too late. Now you're just responding and the damage has already been done, right? You want to be ahead of it if you can. Amen. For mm -hmm. sure. Now, um, I know we are we are kind of out of time, which is is horrible. Uh, you know, I'd love to I'd love to keep going. So we will have to have you on uh, again in the future here, Jack, if that's all right with you. But um, I, I do want to give you a chance, though. You've got a you have a website. You do training online for folks and for first mm -hmm. responders and and uh, and those that need it. Um, so if you want, what's what's the best way for someone to get a hold of you with that? Excellent. We, we love doing live fire, live blasting, in-person training with first responders, but it's a little tough to do right now. So we went to Zoom. We're doing a five-hour Zoom class every month. The next class is September 18th, which is a Saturday morning. It's only 75 bucks. Five hours, you got to put up with me for that time, but you get a textbook. <laughs> You get a training certification and you get a tactical, whoops, this slide, tactical <laughs> uh, for a souvenir. Uh, it's excellent training. It's going to cover explosives awareness. Um, it's going to um, cover uh, situational awareness, active shooter, as well as uh, leadership and teamwork skills. So it's a lot of information in five hours. Uh, my website is AmericanExplosivesGroup.com, and you'll see a tab on there that says first responders training. Awesome. Thank you so much for, uh, for joining us. And, uh, I'll, uh, I'll definitely be reaching out to you. Cause I, I think that that training sounds really exciting to me. So, um, but anyhow, Paul, if you want to go ahead and close us out in prayer and then we'll, I'll be happy to, we'll get going. So I have to fire off one pun. I think that class is going to be the bomb and I'm, I'm going to have to investigate it further. So on that note, let's pray this thing out. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, I thank you. We can joke, but and, and we can make new friends, Lord God, and I thank you for opportunities like this. But we're literally to be uh, as shrewd as vipers, uh, but as innocent as doves. And Lord God, I thank you for opportunities to awaken thoughts and help people to understand, hey, maybe that thing that's there shouldn't be there. And, and maybe I should be keeping an eye on why is it there? What's going on here? Just keep an extra weather eye, Lord God. I ask that this broadcast will reach the right ears and, and help people and save lives, Lord God. I thank you for Jack. I thank you for what he does. I ask that you would guide, bless, and protect him. And I thank you for tonight in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So real quick, we'll just wrap up. But uh, next week, I believe we actually have a uh, one of our, our speakers at the conference will be joining us, Aaron Wesley Hanna. Um, we'll be talking with him about uh, doing assessments and his background, getting to, to know him a little bit better. 
So you don't want to miss that. Um, but definitely if we can be of any service to you, to you all listening, please feel free to reach out to, to us on our website, churchsafetyguys.com. And uh, we will talk to you next week. So take care. God bless. Have a great night. Thank you, Thank you for joining the Church Safety and Security broadcast with the Church Safety Guys, sponsored by Checker. We hope that you found it informative and we appreciate your feedback. Be sure to share our broadcast with your teams. Join the discussion online and for other great resources, download the Church Security app or visit our website at churchsafetyguys.com. Remember, keep a servant's heart, a mindset of ministry, and semper disciplina. Always be training. Have a blessed week.